Good morning, everybody. I do need to say uh, again, I said this last week, but I know I've let some of you down a second week in the row. I just can't change into a sweater vest and change my shoes because I'm not good at that. Um, if you've seen Mr. Rogers in the past, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I did think about maybe I should dress up like Jake with State Farm. Um, but I don't really like to wear red because my face looks super red when I wear red. Um, but what I did decide to do today is open up our series, um, or open up our message today like Pastor Matt or Pastor Ronnie would um, for you. And I got some tattoos. And so I thought that maybe we could all say hi to our neighbor like over there, maybe over there. So anyway, stupid joke. Um, I'm going to give this to Misty. Maybe I'll just set it right here for a moment. Take these guys off here. I bought, here's what's stupid about this whole joke. I bought these two, well, I got a lot of tattoo sleeves now in my, in my home. Um, thank you, Misty. They were 10 bucks on Amazon. I've had them for like eight months, and I've just been waiting for it, and so today is the day. So there you go. Now I can stop fretting out about this whole thing, but hey, if this is your first time here, uh, we're super glad you're here. I am aware that I probably made you feel a little bit left out. If you hang with us for the next three or four weeks, you will probably learn to understand why I did that today. Um, but real quick, I do want to say hi to everybody that is watching online with us today. It's good to have you here as well. Um, I know we have people watching from all over the United States, uh, Texas, Nebraska, which we're in Nebraska. That's part of the United States too. Even from Germany, which I did hear that Caitlin is here. She's from Germany here today somewhere. So uh, back there, it's good to have you here with us today. It's fun to see you in person and not through the, you know, the TV screen over there. So um, but today we are in week two of our series called The Art of Neighboring, and if you missed last week, um, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that because it will give you some context to what we are talking about over the course of this four weeks and, and even today. Um, if you don't know how to get there, you can get on our website, click watch, go find The Art of Neighboring. You can also find it on our app. Uh, challenge you to do that as well. But in this series, we are looking at something that Jesus said over 2,000 years ago, where basically Jesus was asked about the most important thing in life. Um, we talked about this last week, and we've been looking at a passage that, where Jesus answered the question by saying, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, basically, if we were to have Jesus as a guest speaker here today, um, he would be way better than me. But if we were to have him here today, and some, maybe one of you guys stood up and said, you know what, I don't really feel like reading the whole Bible. Can you just tell me the most important thing? I bet, I'm certain, that Jesus would say middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, adults, grandmas, grandpas. He'd say, listen, relevant. Just love God with everything that you are, your whole being. But also, just as much as you do that, love your neighbor as yourself. And no matter if you're a teacher or you work at a grocery store or you're a homemaker or a stock trader trading billions um, or a cybersecurity guy, whatever, those, whatever you people are called, um, relevant, he would say, to love God and love your neighbor. Those are the most important things that you can do. And of course, this brings about a question, well, then who is our neighbor? Well, we talked about this last week, but Jesus makes it clear in the story of the Good Samaritan that our neighbor is really anyone who we cross paths with. Um, that barista at Starbucks or Scooters or um, if you drive nine hours to 120th Street from here. Um, it's stories. Like those people are our neighbors, classmates, the people we work with, uh, those who are on our sports teams. Um, I'm not on a sports team, but if I was, I'd have some neighbors there. 
Um, And we will certainly continue to love those kinds of neighbors, but in this series, we are getting a little bit closer to home and turning our heads. If you remember last week, we're turning our heads in our love and our focus to our actual neighbors who live right next to us. Now, I'm sure that some of you just threw up in your mouth, um, thinking about loving your neighbors, like, oh my gosh, that's okay. And while it can be tempting to keep our distance and mind our own business in our neighborhoods, if you are a follower of Jesus... Loving our neighbors, including our actual neighbors, is the most important thing we can do. Because not only will it make our neighborhoods and our communities and the world a better place, but because just like Jesus is doing in you and in me, he also wants to do that same transformation in our neighbors' lives and in their families' lives, too. And that's easy, right? Not really. Um, The reality is that this whole topic can make us feel uncomfortable. I I know there are people in here who may not like this series at all. I understand that. You might already be thinking, like, yeah, not going to do that. Um, I know there are messages that we have talked about over the past where people saying things like, oh, man, that was so good. Like, that that just got me right here. That was so good. That was direct. Jimmy, have you been following me around? Because you know a lot of things about me and where I'm at in my life right now. And we like those messages because when they are about ourselves, they make us feel better. But we like to talk about making me better, making my marriage better, making my family better, my relationships. Um, we like to talk about my identity in Jesus and how Jesus loves me. And, and these kinds of messages do make us feel good inside. But I want to say that you may not feel like that during this series. Because when it comes to turning the focus outward to other people especially our neighbors, well, that's, that's more difficult. When it comes to following Jesus, some things seem to get easier over time and more natural for us the, the longer we follow him, like reading the Bible, um, volunteering, or even praying out loud. Um, however, there, the area that usually doesn't get easier for us is loving our neighbors, loving other people, um, and maybe loving them to the point where actually someday we share Jesus with them. Again, another person probably just threw up in their mouth because it makes us nervous to think about like, oh man, I got to share Jesus. Like, I don't, I'm not going to do that, Jimmy. But now some might say, Jimmy, I actually disagree with you. I love this topic. Well, metaphorically you do, but in real life action, um, the truth is that talking about loving our neighbors and actually doing it are two different things. That's why this series is so difficult. And it's difficult uh, because whether we know it or not, there are barriers that keep us from actually doing that. And these barriers keep us from even knowing our neighbors literally. Like, here's a question. Um, How many neighbors do you know that you drive by every single day on the way to work and you drive by every single day on the way home and you still don't even know their name after 10 years? I have a neighbor like that. And doing this series is kind of convicting to my own self. Um, But have you ever thought about why? Like, why don't you know their name? Well, it's because some barriers are imagined and some barriers are real. And you would probably agree with that. But last week, we talked about assumptions we have about our neighbors. Um, These can be barriers. Um, Our judgments that we've made about our neighbors can be barriers. And that neighbor's personality can be a barrier for us. And on the flip side, your personality could probably be a barrier to them as well. And maybe you have an unreconciled issue or argument that you've had with a neighbor, and that's a barrier. That's happened to me on on my street that I live on now. Neighbors don't always get along, um, and that's caused some conflicts. But 
as a follower of Jesus, I'm the one that has to go and resolve that conflict. But no matter what your barrier is, if we surveyed this room and everyone who is watching online, I bet our list of barriers could fall into one of three buckets. I had meant to go to Menards and buy three green buckets, but I just didn't. So I apologize for that. So imagine three green buckets. The first bucket would be for barrier number one, um, and that would be time. Most of us aren't walking around with a bunch of extra time, and it's probably just the opposite. And I bet the majority of us would say that we actually need more time in order to keep up with everything that we're responsible for right now. I mean, school starting, we have the kids' school calendars, we have sports calendars, we have meetings that we're involved with, we have family gatherings already, we have jobs, and we already feel overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that we pack into our schedules, and our pace of life actually leaves no room for breathing. And we can barely keep up right now. And, and anything that might need to be added to uh, our calendars and our schedules makes us feel exhausted just by thinking about it. Am I right? Um, we're all busy. Like, we're all busy. We already have different things that are competi- competing for our attention. Um, and we already have enough relationships. I mean, how in the world are we supposed to add three or four or five? Or if you're like my street, there's 20 How do we logically fit them all into my calendar? Well, I don't have time to do that. That's a lot. And this topic actually gets brought up quite often in our uh, staff meetings here at Relevant. Pastor Ronnie is very good at making sure that we are having this at like the focus of our meetings constantly. But it's why we do everything uh, we can do to not pack our church calendar with a bunch of church events. We used to. But because we know that time is a commodity, we would rather you spend the majority of your time out there than in here. And I think that everyone in here can agree that one of the biggest barriers to uh, investing in our neighbors is our time. Uh, Bucket number two, we'll just put this one right here in the middle. Uh, Bucket number two is fear. And this one is probably more common uh, to all of us in here. It'd be fear. And so much so that for many of us, for many of you, although you might say that you don't have enough time, I would bet that it's just a cover-up to the real barrier that's lurking deep inside your heart, and that is fear. And I know this because I've asked you. Um, I've asked a lot about this series because I want to hear what you guys are, what your barriers are to your neighbors. And you've basically said it's fear. Um, But fear is a barrier to a lot of things, like trying out for that sports team, applying for that job, or even joining a small group in a church body that you've never, maybe you're new here or whatever. That can be a barrier. That can be be fear. But especially uh, when it comes to neighboring as well. Like, well, what do you mean by that, Jimmy? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, Like fear of unknowns. Um, I don't know anything about that neighbor. Unknown neighbor. Or that guy on the corner. Well, he's kind of mysterious. I don't really know what that's going to turn into. Or what if by getting to know the the neighbor up the street that maybe it's going to open up a huge can of worms that I don't really feel like dealing with or having a part of my life? Or what if that neighbor becomes greedy or needy of my time? Or as a parent, what if your neighbor, uh, maybe they have kids and they don't have the same values as you do. And so you're very nervous about letting your kids interact with them because what if the influence starts turning the other direction. There's a definite uh, amount of barriers when it comes to this that we all have. Um, For others, fear of rejection. 
Um, well, what if they think I'm weird? I'll answer that for you. You are weird, okay? But what if they think that I'm weird? What if we don't hit it off? Or maybe they seem to have their own friends on the street, and I don't really want to get involved in that because what if I don't fit in? Like, what if we're not like each other? Or maybe they don't believe the same thing that I do, and I have a fear uh, that they might say no to me. A fear of rejection is a definite barrier. But here's one, and it's probably the most common fear, um, and it's being asked questions that we cannot answer. That's probably the most common one that I've heard in here with, um, with you guys is being, uh, being scared of not being able to an- answer the questions that they have or fear of not knowing what to say or I don't even know what questions that I should ask them. And again, the biggest fear, that's probably here, um, but fear of the questions that we don't have or may not know the answer to. And so this leads us to keeping our distance and maybe avoiding our neighbors altogether. Fear is a definite barrier. Third bucket, um, this is another common, common one, and I actually changed my sermon notes um, yesterday morning and changed it to this one because I felt like, you know, this is, I think this one is going to resonate more than what I originally had on there. But this fear, I want to say all this with love, that some of you, your barrier is apathy. For whatever reason, you are numb to this whole thing. You're apathetic. And if you're honest, you really don't care about your neighbors in this way. I mean, maybe you actually do see the needs that they have, but you just really don't care. And that's actually a very serious barrier that you probably need to work with. Um, But why do we need to overcome barriers? Whatever barrier you are dealing with, I bet you can identify it. And I don't know where you are in all of this, but here's why we have to overcome these barriers. Because The world is full of lost people, and Jesus loves people and wants them found. Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 19, he said, For the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save the lost. And let me tell you, Jesus is distracted by that which is lost. A few years ago, um, I don't even remember where this was because... You know, we talked about trauma in January. When you have a traumatic event, things get blocked out of your minds, and this has still happened uh, with this story. But several years ago, I don't remember where we were, I was with my family, there was a ton of people around, and I'm looking around, and Annie, my eight-year-old daughter, is missing. And she is gone. And she was gone for like five or ten minutes. I could not find her. The amount of panic in my life, um, it was so overwhelming. And all I could think about for what seemed like eternity was, where is my daughter? I know my other kids exist, but I didn't really care about them at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Middle schoolers are always the best. Now, don't get distracted by anything beyond that. Love you. Um, but my heart was falling apart in that moment because I needed to find my daughter who was lost. It's the same... <laughs> Sorry, that just makes me laugh. It's the same way for Jesus. He is searching for lost people. That is what he cares about. If you read Luke chapter 15, you'll notice that Jesus tells three consecutive stories all within one chapter. Lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son. And the point of each of those stories is that Jesus will leave the found things to go find the lost things. And if he is about 
that, then we have to be about that too. Which I will say, if you're newer to Relevant, there's something that you should know about us, um, is that we have never been a church for church people. Uh, we've always set out to be a church where those who are far from Jesus and those who are, who are lost can come here and feel accepted and have a safe place to kind of check out this whole Jesus thing and like window shopping. But we are committed to being a church that unchurched people, those who are far from Jesus, we want them to love to be a part of us so that they can belong and then hopefully someday that they believe um, so that God can also do a work in their lives just like he's doing in our lives. He wants to transform their past. He wants to transform their families, and he wants to transform their futures. And so we will do everything that we can do to protect that vision. Um, another reason why we need to move past those barriers is because we, if you're a follower of Jesus, are his ambassadors. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And I don't know if you know what an ambassador is or does, but basically an ambassador is an official representative of a country or organization who is assigned to another country or organization. And they play a crucial role in conducting diplomatic relationships. Um, they, they have a job of promoting cooperation between countries. They represent the interests and policies of their home country or organization. And in essence, ambassadors are bridge builders between the two countries or the two organizations. They're bridge builders. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Middle schoolers and high schoolers, college students and adults, grandmas, grandpas, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, kingdom of love, joy, and peace, and value, and security, and community, and forgiveness, and hope, and salvation, and purpose, and wisdom, and healing. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. But there's a third reason that we need to overcome these barriers, and it's this, that this is our calling. This is your calling in life. I mean, if you think about it, everyone's always asking, what is God's will for my life? And we can ask this for our whole lives, 80, 90, you're 10. What is God's will for my life? Well, let me give you an answer to that question. Before you find Jesus, your life is about finding Jesus. After you find Jesus, your life is all about sharing Jesus. And how do I know? Because Jesus said so. I want to show you this. Um, and real quick, when we teach from Scripture, we normally use uh, the New International Version, but I chose to use a different one because I like how it's worded, and in essence, it says the same thing. But Jesus says this, let me tell you why you are here. And I don't know if that's clear to you, it's clear to me, um, but he says, you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. Now, we all know that salt makes things taste better. I love salt. Jimmy George loves salt. Like, there's times when my wife's like, are you missing something in your life? Because you're just piling that salt on there. Like, I just like it a lot. 
I used to lick salt blocks when I lived on the farm in Missouri. That wasn't in my notes. It just came out. It wasn't here for a scattering. You're welcome. Um, but it's important to understand something about salt in those days. Um, salt was much more than a seasoning that makes things taste better. Um, salt was in that day used to preserve to keep food from going bad. I know we know what preservatives are, but at that time, like it, you had to have it. And salt also had a medicinal value. It was effective in healing wounds and could actually stop infection. And in ancient times, salt or the lack thereof could drastically affect the health of entire populations. It's crazy. Um, but so Jesus' point here is that in a world that's lost, in a world that's decaying, and in a world that is very unhealthy, those who are salt, followers of Jesus, are the hope of both preservation and healing. But here's the thing about salt. Salt has no effect on anything until it comes into contact with what it is trying to preserve or needs healing. And Jesus continues, and he says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I mean, when you think about light, light doesn't do much when there's already light present. Um, like, if today at noon, you go stand outside with a flashlight, and you start flashing, like, there's not that much difference. It's not, it's not making an impact. Um, but if you go outside at midnight with your flashlight and shine it around immediate difference because it's dark and you're probably going to attract attention especially if you're outside your house in your neighborhood shining a light might make some people nervous but you're going to attract attention if you're a follower of Jesus he is telling you that you are to be the light in the darkness but there's a crazy thing that we all seem to do quite often everyone seems to be thinking oh my gosh this world is a terrible place. It's not like what it used to be. Everyone has gone crazy. It is so bad right now. Everyone's gone mad. We just better get inside where it's safe. But let me say, church, Relevant Community Church, 2023, what a day to be alive. Because this world is a dark, dark place. And we are here to be the light. This is the hour for which you were born. Well, Jimmy, um, I kind of like to keep my faith private. I don't want to push that on people. But let me say about private faith, I have never read anything in the Bible that even hints about that as an option. In fact, it's just the opposite. Instead, Jesus says that God is not a secret to be kept. He says, we are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I, might, if I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going, do you not think I'm going to hide you under a bucket? No. I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a hilltop, a light stand, what is that? yellow word. Next slide. Shine. What? Shine. Middle schoolers are getting it. Shine. Doing a good job, next gen. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. 
And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So let me ask you a question that I asked last week. Does it seem that you have a responsibility to your neighbors? Well, according to Jesus, I don't see any other option. And so we have to get past these barriers of our time, our fear, and our apathy because we, you, seem to be the solution to the problem. And so how do we do that? Um, well, there's, there's a lot of different ways that uh, we can do that, a lot of different ways to overcome these barriers that we have put, whether they're real or imagined. But today, and for the sake of this series, I want to give you three things. And these things are more like kind of like a playbook, but there's three things that you can do. The first one is to know your hope. Because it all starts right here. You have to know your hope. This is where you have to start. Um, the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, But in your hearts, that sound like I had an accent right there? But in your hearts, that was weird. I mean, if you, anyway. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Now, revere isn't a word that we go around saying all the time. Revere means love, worship, honor, cherish, prize, hold in high regard. In other words, have it settled in your heart and confirmed in your own life. What's that look like? Well, I know that Jesus is the forgiver of my sins and he's a leader of my life and he is my king and he is my Lord and he's my everything and he's my fuel. He's the air that I breathe. He changed my life. This is where it starts. And then uh, Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, wait, stop, Jimmy, Houston, we have a problem here, barrier. I don't know all the answers. Well, finish reading before you freak out. He doesn't say have an answer to every single question they have about the Trinity and about how the war, he doesn't, he's not asking that. He says, give a reason for the hope that you have. That's your answer. Jimmy, why do you have so much hope? Why are you, look at this, why are you not freaking out right now? Why are you so at peace? The world's on fire. Why do you have so much joy when that just happened to you? And how are you able to overcome that problem in your life? I could never do that. What is different about you? Now, trust me, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I have a college degree in Bible, but there are still times when people stump me with questions. There's, it happens. Um, like, it happened last week, but you know what I say in those moments? I say, you know, I don't know. I've thought about that, but that has also stumped me too. I'm going to look into that. I have a question about that too. This happened last week. And sometimes I've actually literally said, I don't know, but what I do know is that because of Jesus, I'm not the same person that I used to be. Like those baptism videos we saw with Eric and Brianna. Basically, um, it reminds me of a story in the, in the book of John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind guy. Um, there were some Pharisees who hated Jesus. We talked about Pharisees last week. Again, if you haven't uh, listen to that. I highly encourage you to do that to get the context on Pharisees. But um, they hated Jesus. They hated the fact that 
Um, Jesus healed this blind guy so much so that they took this blind guy to a place that they could question him, like almost like a court, um, a courtroom. And they were asking him all sorts of questions about his healing, and they were super mad. But some of the questions they were asking is, were you really blind before, or, well, how long were you blind for, or can you just, just prove it, or how did Jesus do that? And really, he's not supposed to heal on the Sabbath day, and so tell us, is he a sinner? Tell us, we need to know. And I love what this blind man, well, former blind man, says. He says, I don't know, but one thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. I was, but now, well, I was, but now, I don't know, but I was, But now, and it's the same thing for us. We don't have to know all the answers. You should grow in your faith and knowledge and read the Bible so you can start getting that stuff down in your heart. You should do that. Um, But all I know is once, but now. And how do we do this? Really, you can can focus on three things when it comes to this. Um, You just talk about what your life was like before Jesus. Maybe you were lost or confused or depressed, um, an alcoholic, struggle with that, a drug addict. Maybe you were just super hopeless and um, you were at the end of your rope. Um, you just talk about what that was like. And then the second thing you could talk about was what it was that, that led you to putting your faith in Jesus. Like what, what brought you to that point? Because people want to know that too. Like I hit rock bottom, and, but then I'm sitting in my car and I just, God, I'm yours now. And then you talk about the difference that Jesus made in your life. That's part three. That's what people want to know. And that's what people see. And we actually teach this three-part process in our class called Relevant 201. Um, if you were to happen to want to know where that is today, uh, you can get on our Relevant app and, and click on like a tools and resources button or whatever and click on Reach One. There's a whole bunch of different resources that you can have regarding this. Um, but the main thing is... You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know the hope that you have. Um, What has Jesus been doing in your life? That is the best place to start. So know your hope. And the second thing you can do is to be seen. Well, Jimmy, what does that mean? Like, that's kind of weird, be seen. I mean, that doesn't seem like a really big barrier destroyer. Well, here's a thought. Um, Salt can't do anything when it sits inside the salt shaker. I mean, imagine... All the salt kernels, if they're called kernels, I don't really know what those are. Crystals? Is that better? Yes. You're getting a lot of good stuff today. Um, imagine that, you know, they're all, all the crystals are sitting there inside this white salt shaker, and they're thinking, oh, man, we're doing such a great job. Like, look at us in here. Just look at us. We're changing the world. And wait, who brought the saltine cracker? What is that doing in here? I don't know if you guys know that reference. Why do, why do they put a saltine cracker inside the salt? Well, for the salt shakers who are sitting there for too long, not doing anything, the saltine cracker keeps, all the, keeps the, the, the salt from gathering moisture and just turning into hard, hard chunks. Like, let that sink in just for a second. But or think about this. Like, I love to tell stories about my wife. She hates it. I love it. So I'm just going to keep doing it anytime I'm up here. But whenever there's a big storm coming and it starts to get really dark and the tornado sirens start going off, um, I always head outside to see what's going to happen, but my wife always stays inside and starts looking for the flashlights. And, and if she can't find them, which they're always missing, 
uh, she starts to yell, where are all the flashlights? And they were like, uh, and then I, as a husband, feel bad because I should have this under control, but, you know, I don't want to miss what might happen. But <laughs> church, the storm is here. And Jesus is yelling the same thing. Where are all my flashlights? If last week was about seeing our neighbors, this week is about being seen by them. Here's another thought. A flashlight is useless if it stays inside the kitchen drawer. There was a point in my life when I realized that as a follower of Jesus, I had a responsibility to my neighbors. And so I took my lawn chairs that were in the backyard and I put them in the front yard and actually turned them into driveway chairs. And I started sitting in my driveway to just to see what would happen. Uh, and the funniest thing happened. Um, the neighbor across the street looked over and we made eye contact. <laughs> and the next thing that was kind of weird, he kind of moseyed over and and he goes, hello. I'm like, hey, neighbor. <laughs> and for the ones that didn't come over, there'd be times where I would see them outside. And so I'd walk over there like, hey, neighbor, we've, uh, we've lived here for 15 years. And I don't even know your name. And I just want to be the first one to break the ice. I'm Jimmy. I would encourage you to try to do the same thing. Even this week, just go sit outside on the driveway. Bring your fire pit to the front if you have to. But to be the light, we have to be in a place where we can be seen, which leads us to the next, what then? Well, I'm going to say be generous with your lives. And why am I saying that? It's because Jesus said, keep open house and be generous with your lives. This is all about hospitality, but not just hospitality, generous hospitality. Uh, sometimes literally opening the doors to your house and literally opening the doors to your life to those who live near you. There's always people walking into my house. My front door, I'll just tell you, is open. If you walk in, like probably we might be there, we might be in the front yard. I don't really know. You can walk into my house. And my wife and I, we're okay with that. My whole family is used to this. Um, and we actually want that most days. Um, but this takes sacrifice because generosity takes sacrificed. Um, last week, we talked about one way to love our neighbors is by meeting their needs. You know that old saying, people don't know how much you care until they know how, you know what I'm trying to say, right? That whole, uh, that whole thing. Well, caring for your neighbor in this way can really begin to tear down the barriers that they have in their life with you. Maybe mowing a lawn for them. That's going to start to tear down some barriers that they have against you when you see that need they might have. And what happens when we do this? Well, Jesus continues, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Um, I want to throw up a picture of my kids here for just a moment. Uh, my daughter Annie, who we found, thank the Lord. Um, she is eight. My oldest son, Jimmy, is the taller one. He's 14, and Solomon there on the right, he's 13. I can't believe I have two teenagers. It's making me feel real old. Um, but my, I just want to talk about Solomon for a second. Um, Solomon is, yep, here we go, excited. <laughs> uh, Solomon is the one that is on the street the most. Out of every one of my family, he's the one that's on the street the most. Um, he helps our neighbors. He's 
picks up sticks in their yard. He helps plant flowers, but he also loves to play with the 9,000 kids that live on our street. Um, and oftentimes, it kind of wears them out sometimes, and the doorbell will ring, the dog, the dog starts barking, and then everyone in the house yells, shut up, dog, like, why are you barking? Um, that all stuff happens, and then you'll see, like, maybe Jimmy will say, um, hey, Solomon, uh, it's for you. And Solomon will be, if he's inside, he'll be like, <sighs> puts his shoes on, and he starts playing with them. And one day, and this happens quite often, but there was one day when Solomon came in all sweaty. He's like, well, I just led so-and-so to put his faith in Jesus on the trampoline, so. <laughs> and then he runs out. This has happened more than once with that kid. It just happens all the time, and he's 13. I'm 40, what is, 40, I don't know, 41 or two, I don't know. He's 13, and he is just one flashlight on our street. He's generous with his time, he's generous with the neighbors, he's comfortable with his faith, and he knows his purpose. Um, If you were here last week, I put up a map, Um, we'll throw that up here for a second, Um, This is, I'm going to say this because people don't believe me, but I took your addresses out of our database and downloaded them into uh, Google Maps. You represent the red dots, including the person who I've not met yet that lives in the river. We talked about this last week. (laughs) Please reveal yourself to me. Um, Look at all these flashlights. That's you. Are you in the kitchen drawer? Are you going to be outside? Last week, I also gave a lot of numbers, Um, tons of people uh, engaging in T-Life groups and community, tons of people starting to sign up for teams and serving and get involved in our church, and and tons of people putting their faith in Jesus so much that we've had 197 new faith commitments this year since January. It's pretty awesome. But the reason reason those numbers are growing is because people that are in here are moving past the barriers that we deal with, taking the great commandment literally and seriously and being a light in the dark. Every single person you come in contact with is impacted by the way that you live and the way that you love. And as a follower of Jesus, your purpose is to love those people the way that Jesus loves them with generous compassion and grace and the undeniable truth of the hope that you have experienced and have in Jesus. So I want to close by asking you a question. What barriers have been keeping you from loving your neighbors? Time? Are you living at a a super fast pace? Is that your issue? Is it fear? Maybe you're numb to this whole thing. Which, by the way, for you, if that is you, I want to say that your love for others can only flow from the love that you are receiving from God himself. And so if your relationship with God is numb, then everything else is going to be numb too. So food for thought. As we close, um, I just want to read this passage again, all all in its context, um, back into the NIV version as our prayer for us today. Relevant. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, 
They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much uh, for this beautiful day and this beautiful church and these beautiful people. Um, God, just like it convicted me writing this, um, I pray that you do the same for our church, just a collective body of Christ together, Lord, so that we truly understand that when we walk out of these doors and we're driving through our neighborhoods that we are your light. God, help us know our hope, help us be seen, and help us be generous with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.